We began um, last week a series on uh, what does it mean to journey well through life? What does that look like? Um, What does it look like when trials come and uh, upheavals in our life come? And what does it look like to journey well through that and to journey honestly through that? What does that look like? The reality is, uh, Jesus said, in this world, you will have trouble. We're going to have troubles. We're going to face trials. We're going to face all kinds of stuff along the way. Some we have. Some we haven't yet. And um, we want to we journey to the point that there's just this deep joy and peace that no matter what the circumstances, we're just able to continue to walk through it. Honestly, but with that joy and that peace that God gives. That we don't we don't cast it aside, but we're able to journey well in that way. And so we're going to continue that this morning. I want to read Psalm 13, which is the text we'll be looking at, and then we'll ask God to teach us in prayer. The psalmist writes, it's a psalm of David, Psalm 13, How long, Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and day after day have sorrow in my heart. How long will my enemy triumph over me? Look on me and answer, Lord my God. Give light to my eyes, or I will sleep in death. And my enemy will say, I have overcome him, and my foes will rejoice when I fall. But I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing the Lord's praise for he has been good to me. Let's pray. Lord, I recognize uh, this morning um, we are all um, at different places in our spiritual journey. Uh, Some here have walked with you for many, many years. Others here have maybe just made a decision recently for you or are here just not sure why they're here but they have questions and there's something within them that that brought them here. And so, Lord, I don't know where each person is. I'm so, so grateful that you do. I just ask you to speak to each of us where we're at. Help us to hear you. Lord, your words are life. Might they nourish us this morning. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Ellie Wiesel. Holy Holocaust survivor. He wrestled with the atrocities that he saw and he wrote in his work, Night, that man raises himself toward God by the questions he asks. Interesting phrase. In other words, I think what he's trying to say is men search for God, men begin to contemplate the things of God as they begin to ask questions about life, what goes on around them. You know, there's times we get stunned, as we talked last week about trials and storms, and oftentimes we're met with questions. Questions at first, I think the ones that initially come up really reflect sometimes the, uh, that, that sense of hurt, that sense of being overwhelmed. Others, as we begin to try to walk through them, begin to expose the grief and the sadness we may feel, and that loss. Some of the questions 
kind of begin to surface and we begin to understand the confusion and disorientation within us. Questions. I've noticed growing up that I was raised in a liturgical setting where it seemed that there were the same prayers that were repeated often. And uh, it didn't seem as I look back that there were room in prayers for questions. Matter of fact, a lot, I'm grateful that here at Elam we, we don't shy away from them, but it seems that in a lot of contemporary songs there just isn't room for questions. There isn't room for wrestling. That's unfortunate. Because I'm grateful the book of Psalms, there is room. I'm grateful that you as God's people uh, seem to do a really good job of allowing people to come and wrestle and to come and not have it together. I think that's a good thing. I think we need churches who can meet people not with indifference but with understanding that that's part of the journey. Now your journey's yours and mine's mine. I can only share out of mine. And so so I do that um, in this series specifically. I I don't want to be a shallow person. I I try hard to not be that. Um, It can be easy though, can it, to be gloss, gloss over stuff. Gloss over the things of the heart and gloss over those things that go through our mind and um, I want to journey well. I want to help others journey well. And I think, as I'm discovering, without the questions, we don't journey well. There's something about them that cause you and I to go deeper into things of God. And I've discovered the more we wrestle, the deeper the peace. And it almost seems like a contradiction because I think growing up, I, would, I often thought that, you know, I really shouldn't talk to God about those things. Those things, maybe those times I grew up, I thought, oh man, if I die, what's going to happen? Or some of those doubts as you get older, the questions are maybe worded differently, but there's still some of those same fears. You're like, surely I can't tell others about that. And surely I shouldn't be talking to God about those things. What would he think? And, uh, and we wouldn't say it out loud, but as you do say it out loud, it sounds kind of dumb, doesn't it? Like, well, of course he knows it. You know? But for some reason, they're not part of our prayers. And we shy away from the questions. The book of Job in the Old Testament is a fascinating book. One of your next steps was to read through chapter 1. So you read through chapter 1, you certainly came across that Job experienced great suffering. Few will ever know. The loss of his wife, his children, severe health problems marked by great pain. A loss of great wealth. It seems all Job was left with were questions. Seemed to be all he had. And his questions weren't so much about suffering as they were about unjust suffering. Job could not think of any reason why God had allowed in his life the things he did. And his questions became as raw as his wounds. I love the book of Psalms because we find Psalms that are raw. They're not very flowery. And they sometimes don't really resemble, oftentimes, our prayers. But I'm grateful for Psalms. Ken Geyer writes, Our prayers are not something we string out to flap in the wind, hoping a sudden lifts our words to some benevolent deity. Our prayers are much more substantial. They're full of wonder, gratitude, 
curiosity, concern, joy, and sorrow, and questions. Questions are part of our journey. They were, and they are, they're part of mine. But questions we need to wrestle with. Interestingly enough about Psalm 13 is we don't really know the background to this psalm. There's not a specific context we can go to in David's life. There's some hints. Some believe David was very sick at this time. We see the word adversaries, which would lead us to believe this could have been a time that maybe he was running from Saul or others. We don't know the specific context. And to be honest, I'm glad. I think a strict hermeneutic or a strict Bible interpretation, if we knew the context, it would be very easy to get lost in the context and miss the intensity of the prayer. Because Psalm 13, with the repetition, if you've noticed, four times how long, emphasizes the intensity of the emotion the psalmist is going through. One author says, in the Psalms there's room for the bipolar swing of emotions that suffering evokes. There's room for our doubts, our fears, our questions. There's room for our anger. We come there with a sigh of relief and find a place where we can sit with others who share some of the same feelings. For those whose lives have been shattered by loss, there's a place in the scriptures that's hospitable. There's no place in the scriptures as hospitable as the Psalms. That's well put. And so Psalm 13 is quite a prayer. So we see how long repeated, but there's also a progressive element to the psalm. If you look at it, we see the word look on. Then we see the word answer. Or verse 3, consider. Then we see the word answer. Then we see this word give light, or these two words are enlightened in a New American Standard. Consider, answer, and enlighten. This really becomes a turning point in the whole psalm, the whole prayer, as it will in ours. But notice how this prayer begins. We'll break this down this week and the coming week even more. If the psalmist had stopped after his questions, I don't think we'd read the rest of it. But to get to verse 6 and 5, he had to wrestle through verse 1 and 2. He wrestled in prayer. So did a man, Lee. Lee wrestled in prayer during a time of unemployment and a job search. Here's his prayer. God help me, please. Please don't humiliate me again. Not before my friends, not before my wife, not before my children, not before my parents. What's helping me, Father, find a job compared to the power it takes you to run this world for even one day? Nothing. And Father, if a sparrow doesn't fall without you noticing, why aren't you noticing me? Why are you tending to millions of beautiful flowers that bloom today and are gone tomorrow but won't tend to me, your child? One nod, one word from you, and a door would open. Why are you humiliating me? Jesus, I don't know any more words. I have no more words. Does your silence mean no, you won't help? Does it mean wait? How long? I'm listening, Lord, straining to hear, and I'm calling, Lord, with all my heart, please, let me laugh again. Help me find my reason for getting up in the mornings. Take away the humiliation that slaps me in the face all day, 
and every day. It may be for you uncomfortable to hear that type of prayer. Maybe it's a type of prayer you've never prayed or thought it was very spiritual to pray. Maybe you've never been that honest with God. God, where are you? Are some questions maybe that surface but you've never given voice to. God, why are you taking so long? God, I can't figure you out. You make no sense. What have I done wrong? A Job question. Why would you allow this? What have I done wrong? I've been faithful to you, God. I've tried to follow you. I've tried to love people, love you, and, and I, I have to go through this. Why? Those type of questions. We ask them, but so often we don't voice them to God. They're up there, but we don't wrestle with them. Questions. The psalmist in Psalm 77, 7 through 9, dared ask them, Will the Lord reject forever? Will he never show his favor again? Has his unfailing love vanished forever? Has his promise failed for all time? Has God forgotten to be merciful? Has he in anger withheld his compassion? Whew. What kind of questions are those? The prophet Habakkuk asked this question in a book of the Bible that carries his name. Habakkuk chapter 1, 2 through 3. The prophet says, How long, Lord, must I call for help, but you do not listen? Or cry out to you violence, but you do not save? Why do you make me look at injustice? Why do you tolerate wrongdoing? Destruction and violence are before me. There's strife and conflict abounds. God wasn't acting like the prophet thought God should act. The prophet is questioning God's fairness. You see, in his eyes, God was permitting an ungodly people, the Babylonians, to get away with things, to punish his people. The wickedness that Habakkuk saw made him wonder why God didn't do anything. God's reply was that he was. That he was sending the Babylonians to judge his people. The prophet's perplexed by such a plan, and so his prayer is marked by questions. The thing about the prayers of the psalmist and the prayer of this prophet is they're not flowery, nor are they contrived. What these prayers are is honest. They're authentic. If you haven't prayed this way yet, I think there's some lessons concerning prayer that are going to come your way. I have, and to a degree, still ask questions in my prayers. I would describe, I think, my prayers at times as hesitant. Hesitant maybe because all the uncertainties around what goes on in my life. And when facing leukemia and the three cancer surgeries, many times questions have surfaced, and they've been mostly how long questions. And again, on your journey, you've probably faced far worse things, and, and, and you relate to these questions. You know the questions, how long do I have left? That question. Well, the first diagnosis is one thing, but when there's a second and there's a third, you're like, how long, how long can I keep, uh, keep uh, getting away from this? How long will I be able to uh, avoid these things? How long do I have left is, to me, not a terribly hard question. The harder question is, how long do I have left with the love of my life now? Now it's getting tough. Those are tougher questions. You, the questions that you would expect to ask, that you maybe have asked, is will I get to see my sons graduate 
I love my sons. I, 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 I'm so proud of them, and I can't wait to see them graduate. The question came, will I get to see that? Will I get to see them get married, which is an interesting thought right now. But will I get to see them get married? Well, grandchildren, wouldn't that be cool? Will there come a day where Cindy holds them alone? And there is no grand, grandpa. I asked them. You probably asked them. Will I be able to walk Angela and Emily down the aisle for their wedding? Have I done enough to point my children to Jesus? Do I have the inner strength to make it through this with my family, with the precious people here at Elam, without tanking, without crashing? These are questions I've asked. Will I slip back into the struggle of loneliness that has crept up periodically in my life? After the last surgery with the lung surgery, some of you have been, uh, had to walk through this, I'm sorry about this, uh, with me. Um, but I, I, I was at home trying to recover and the pain wasn't going anywhere. It just was relentless. And um, I began to get a fever one day and it, it started to get a little hotter and hotter. And then, so I was supposed to go to the ER. I went down there and I found a, a whole lot of fluid filled up the cavity next to the surgical site. And, and so, long story short, took an x-ray, Mayo Clinic saw it and said, get him down here. And so, in the middle of the night, it's after midnight, they, they pushed me into an ambulance and I'm going to take a ride to Rochester. A couple things I remember about that night. One, is the particular paramedic who was riding with me would not talk. I call him Joe Silent. I wanted, I needed someone to talk to. And Joe wasn't interested. He talked to the person driving, but he wouldn't talk to me. I don't blame him. He had enough on his mind, I'm sure. And of all the times in my life, and I'm going to be honest here, that I've felt alone, I've never felt more lonely than that moment for those two and a half hours than I did in that ambulance. In reality, I knew God was there. I knew it, but sure didn't feel like it. And Cindy begged to come down with me, and of course, you know, being the hard-headed husband, nope, you go home, get some rest, and you can come down the next day, take care of the kids, that type of thing. And, and, uh, but boy, in those moments, I'm like, oh, I should have had her come. And so I wrestle in that ride, God, what, what's going on? I thought I got through this. Um, now what? What's going on? And, and those type of questions. The good thing is I knew he heard them. I just didn't feel like it. But I was learning that this is prayer. It's faith, although it didn't feel like it. I even had some people, this reflects my attitude at times, uh, said, hey, I, I've heard you've, you're having some struggles with your health, or I've heard through the grapevine um, that, that you're battling cancer and stuff, and yeah, I'm sorry to hear that, and, 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 and why don't I pray for you? And there's a part of me that says, duh, I didn't think of that. Well, what, I mean, what a horrible attitude that is. But in the midst of wrestling with it all, and it affects our attitude, and it's part of wrestling, I think. But I'm finding more and more that this type of honest prayer is the avenue to real change. It's not, it's not that anything changes, the circumstances. It's not that my leukemia has gone away. It's not that I didn't have the cancers. Um, it's not that the oncologist uh, has changed his mind. He still exp expects more cancer to pop up. None of that changes. What changed was me. In the midst of this wrestling, and still, you're going to find, as if you, you probably already have and maybe not there yet, that things won't change, but you will.
You will because you were honest. And God rewards those who are honest. What I'm discovering in increasing measure is what actually changes is out of my control. And though I may long for healing for the outward variety, the only real guaranteed miracle God offers is his peace. Oh, but what a peace. It's a miraculous peace. It's miraculous because when everything around us can be uncertain, our lives can be filled with fear, pain, confusion, there's this peace he gives that passes all understanding. And it comes us on a way that exceeds our understanding, and it's a peace that is a supernatural calm. It's perhaps the greatest miracle you'll ever experience in your journey with God. This miraculous peace can settle over you when the bank account's empty, when the child walks away from God, when the doctor's report is bad, when your marriage is in the balance, when a drug addiction overwhelms a loved one. It's this incredible peace of God, this miracle from God that calms any storm within you. And facing the questions takes us deeper experientially in our relationship with God. And to ignore the questions is to just live with a casual brush with God. And being okay with that. But God didn't design us to have a casual brush, brush with him every now and then. He created us for a deeper intimacy with him. A greater connectedness with him. It's questions that take us there. It's an avenue which allows us to honestly interact with our God. I'm still asking questions. How long do I have to put up with the consequences of the surgeries to my body? To the fatigue? How long? But I'm learning that getting to this place where I live with this consistent, deep peace involves wrestling in prayer. This deep, gut-level prayer that sounds anything but spiritual. And I'm convinced Jesus will find me in those confusing and uneasy places. I just don't want to be in those places, to be honest. I don't like them. I don't like the fact they can come at any time. But the days I face the consequences and challenges just like you do, created by the storms and the upheavals in our lives. I find it easier to talk it through with God. God may choose to heal the outer storms or calm the inner me. Either one's fine as long as I'm near him. My prayers really don't often sound very spiritual, and, um, but I will tell you they are honest, much more so now. I find God's okay with that. I don't want a prayer life that's equivalent to texting God. I fear for this generation that comes up that might result in a prayer life that's like that. A quick text to God and amen and they're on their way. And, and I fear for that. I fear that that wouldn't happen in my life. I want to pursue authenticity at deeper levels. I believe you do too. And, and to do that, our journey must include the courage to wrestle with questions and challenges. And some of you right now are deeply connected, disconnected and lonely. And you fear, if you were honest, what others may think if you shared that with them. You fear that it sounds really unspiritual to say you lack faith or you doubt. After all, God's on the throne, right? But you know what it says about his throne? It's marked by grace. His throne is marked by mercy. Where else should we go but to such a place? I had a pastor friend I uh, served with over in Wisconsin for years. We'd, 
we, we would run each other into conferences. Just a great guy. He, he had a heart for broken people. He, he planted a church in eastern Wisconsin. That church just grew. And, and he was actually the key guy to spearheading this ministry uh, that created a suicide hotline. And he, he helped minister to hundreds and hundreds of people on the brink of taking their life. I was surprised a year ago when I heard he took his life. How does that happen? What happened, I wondered? Where did the enemy get a foothold in his mind? I knew some of the questions and struggles he probably went through. I'm sure he thought for a moment, I'm the pastor, I'm supposed to have it together. Certainly I really can't share this with people. I'm just going to have to put my head down and get through it, I'm sure. I can relate to those. I'm sure he thought some of that, but very little from the outside makes any sense. I feel so deeply for his family who day in and day out wrestle with the questions. But I pray a deep peace over them. And I know it'll come as they learn to wrestle, as it will for you. Some of you might be dealing with how to, how to address these things, how to, how to fight and how to work through them. And it, we have an escape, it's like an escape instinct at times, don't we? We want to escape from the problems. And so that's why there's a growing number going to our pornography and alcohol and, and all these escape routes because instead of wrestling, they try to escape. The problem is, obviously, as you know, the intensity of the grief and intensity of the fear in the survival mode all becomes in question. And if they could learn the lesson of Psalm 13, that it's okay to voice them to God. It's okay to be honest with God. He can take it. I think that would be a good step for them. It's a good step for us. I spoke at a funeral of a family whose dad died a sudden death after an explosion. The family wanted to have this time of sharing, as some families do, and, and uh, one of the sons, sobbing deeply, stood up in the midst of the church from up front on the platform and said, I hate God for taking my dad. Part of me is sitting here going, oh, man, you can't be saying that here. I didn't say it out loud, but in my mind. But then I thought, why not? He's being honest. I prayed for him and his family that he received it well. But he was honest. And for those who face desperate times for the atheists, the one questioning whether God is real or maybe can't reconcile a good God with evil in the world or maybe the widow who sets a table for one, for the child who no, no longer comes home to two parents, for the one who's made big-time mistakes with big-time regrets, for the mom and dad who have lost a child, or for any who feels like life is falling apart, I offer this to you. To be honest in prayer is the first step towards real growth and healing. The ache and the problems won't disappear, at least not at once. The circumstances might not change, but you will. You'll discover a new type of strength, a new type of security. For this kind of honest prayer will lead you to a place where you experience this deep and miraculous peace that buffets you with the winds of the storm.
Hebrews 11.6 is a promise. Without faith, it's impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists. And listen to this promise. He rewards those who earnestly seek him. God rewards those. You might come with a mustard seed of faith, but he rewards you when you come honestly, when you come earnestly. And God promises the one who's honest and persistently seeks after him in prayer will be rewarded. What that reward specifically is for each of us, we can only guess. We do know one of those rewards is the peace of God. There are other rewards for the one who seeks God honestly. There's freedom and there's confidence, there's victory. There's a large list that God offers, actually. But again, to me, I think the greatest miracle I'm experiencing is his peace. Along your journey, there have been times you tried to power through, don't we? (laughs) You don't wrestle, and maybe you haven't been honest with the questions that you have going through your mind. This wrestling and prayer might not change again anything around you, but boy, it's going to change you. It will change the depth of the interactions you have with Jesus. And if you want to journey well, you need to wrestle with the questions. Learn to go to God with an honest heart. And there's three, the most simplistic applications I can give, but you know what? When there's upheavals all around you, it comes back to the core of our faith, doesn't it? One, pray. Just talk with God. Don't hold things in. And maybe they're how long prayers. Maybe they're prayers that don't sound very good. But pray. Some find it really helpful to write your prayer out. Great idea. That's what psalms are. Two, pray honestly. One thing to pray, but pray honestly. Maybe you grew up like we with the liturgical prayers and the prayers that go around your mind are all ones that you repeat it over and over and over and over and over. But maybe those aren't really reflections of your heart. Pray honestly. And number three, trust completely. Trust God hears you. Trust God is sovereign. And trust that God holds you. For he will hold you. He will continue to hold you. Because he's faithful. As we pray, the worship team's going to come up and we're going to sing a song after I pray called, He Will Hold Me Fast. We don't use the word fast in, like they do in this song much. The word means firmly. It means securely. God will hold you and I firmly and securely, especially as we wrestle with the questions. Let's pray. Lord, I want to thank you that even as we bow right now, your ear is attentive to us. Your heart receives us. Your faithfulness surrounds us. Lord, we got to confess that, A, we really aren't honest with you in our prayers. Forgive us for that. Forgive us so often, God, for the spiritual facades we wear with others and if we are honest with you. I pray for each person in this room, God. Please take us deeper in our walk with you. May we be honest 
Might we take the time to wrestle? And God, I pray that you would settle every heart here in this moment with your peace. That miraculous peace you give to those who release things to you. So God, we do that. We, by faith this morning, and I pray it would be every response, leave here knowing that maybe the circumstances in our life haven't changed, but we're committing to walk honestly with you, trusting you to take us through it, whatever that would be. Might our response bring you praise? Might it bring you glory? In Jesus' name I pray.
Good morning. My name is Adam Sarf. I'm one of the elders here. Um, this is our time of family prayer. Uh, and as we get started, I want to thank Pastor Matt so much for sharing his heart. Thank you so much for sharing from that passage. As I was thinking about that, I was so happy that you noted the emotion that was likely behind David. A lot of the times when you read it on a Sunday morning, it's just kind of very straightforward and stoic, like us Scandinavians like to do. But to think about the emotion that was going on with David as he was saying that um, really helps bring out that passage. So thank you so much for that. I want to uh, note really quick, if you look in your bulletins, we have a flyer for the agenda for our special congregational meeting coming up next week. Um, we're really excited about this meeting. It's going to be right after uh, our service here in the worship center. And all of the details and is on the agenda there. So please make sure to look at that and make sure to set that aside on your calendar to be here for that. Also continue to look at the bulletin. Bring that home with you. Lots of prayer requests. As we think about the sermon today, it's important for us to be bringing those things. Those things that have been in the bulletin for weeks and months. And uh, these are the things that we, that we cry out to God for. So make sure to bring those home. And there's prayer available. I'll be up here and there'll be other elders and pastor will be available if you want to bring up any prayer requests or anything that we can do to encourage you or um, support you in a, in a time of need. Um, so please feel free to come up at the end of service. Please pray with me. Heavenly Father, we are blessed to have a God so patient, so understanding, so quick to love, so quick to compassion. And each of us here has a journey, has a story. We've had times where we have been on the tops of the mountains, praising you and thanking you for that. And we have all been into the depths, into the valleys. And as we think about the sermon today, Father, we are prompted to call to you, to be vulnerable with you, to be honest with you, just as King David was, just as Jeremiah was, just as Habakkuk was, God. That we can ask you these honest questions that our minds don't understand. I thank you that for you there's not questions or things that we can't say to you. That you want to hear it all. That questions are good. And I pray as David did, that you would consider us. Consider our sufferings, our hardships, God. Answer the questions that come up. Help us to understand the best that we can and enlighten us. Give us your wisdom and what you know is good. We have so many prayer requests, Father, that, that we lift to you. We thank you for the outreach of Awana that is coming up. We're so thankful for 
the response that we've had to be a part of that. And our desire, God, is to see this community grow in the knowledge of you and that we can make an impact from a child's life and see how that will filter through into the family. Thank you for the volunteers. And we thank you for the many who are seeking healing. Continue to lift up Elroy and Russ, Sherry and Janet, Kathy, Jim, Wally, Heidi, and Fred. And Father, I pray especially for faith. How long, O oh Lord? How long, O oh Lord? Give answers, enlighten, and continue to be with their family. I thank you so much for John and Joe Beth. I thank you for their friendship and their service in Japan. We ask that you would continue to help them with learning the language. I know that there's been difficulties at times with that. Give them the knowledge that they need to pick that up fast. I thank you for the growing relationships that you have provided for them, the amount of people coming through their home, and the way that the gospel is being shared in Japan. Continue to give their team unity as they work. We give you praise for new life, God. We thank you that in September we're expecting a child from them and pray that that process would go fast and, and well. As we close, Father, I think of what King David said in Psalm 13 at the end. But we trust in your unfailing love. Our hearts rejoice in your salvation. And we will sing the Lord's praise, for he has been good to us. And with that, Father, we think of the offering that we want to give back to you. You have been good to us. And financially, now we want to give to your church and to your work. May you bless this offering. May you use it to bring people to know you, and people grow in maturity within the church. We thank you and pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.
Thank you. Appreciate that. Um, just like to remind you about Awana registrations in the back on the way out. Um, or again, if you want any corn carnival food, uh, make your way over there. We pray a blessing over you. Father, I pray that your peace, which passes all understanding, will guard each of our hearts and our minds in you, Christ Jesus. It's your name I pray. The people of God said, amen. amen. Have a great week, everybody.